Thank you, Mary. Makes a way, or there ain't no way. We'll be looking at one of those situations this morning in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. While you're turning, I uh, want to thank all of you for your prayers while we were on the road last week. A lot of miles between here and East Tennessee, and we drove a lot of miles while we were there. Had a great time. I appreciate Brother uh, Jeremy and Brother Garrett for taking care of things while I was gone. I know I left it in capable hands. Heard y'all had some church last week, and I'm glad. Big crowd, good music, good preaching, and I never worry about that. I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad to be with you today. Now, for this passage to make any sense at all, if you were just to look at this snippet of, and this was the only verse of the Bible that you had, you would say, this is absolutely makes no sense. Talking about a mother that was in an impossible situation. And so we need to give it a little bit of review. Uh, in the uh, book of Exodus, chapter 1, verse 1, in my Bible, it starts out with now. Now, the actual Hebrew word for this is and. It starts with and, which means it is a direct connection with what went on in Genesis. So it's actually all part of the same story. This is just a different chapter. Now, it begins with and as a continuation of Genesis. And the last part of Genesis talks about Jacob and his entire family of 70 people, grown kids and wives and their kids. 70 people moved out of the land promised to Abraham, and they went to Egypt. They went to Egypt because of a famine. We might say, uh-oh, something went wrong. God had predicted this. Nothing was going wrong, but there was a way that they could be saved from this famine in the land, and they went to Egypt. The family thrived there. Several generations later, the country of Egypt became uncomfortable with the prosperity of the Hebrew people. And they did everything they could to diminish the Hebrew people. It said they put taskmasters over them so that they made their lives hard with hard labor, made them serve with rigor. It means it was bitter bondage. But it says the worse they treated them, the more they thrived. So he came up with a plan. He came up with a plan. He told the Hebrew midwives, he said, only let the girl children live. Well, that didn't work either. So the last plan was unthinkable. The last plan, the last response was something we would think civilized people just don't do this. He said, all the male babies, throw them in the Nile River. And what he wanted was to extinguish the Hebrew race. He wanted to exterminate the Hebrew people. What they really wanted to do is to get rid of any and all reminders of God in their land. And they thought if they'd get rid of all these people and get rid of the Hebrew race, then they would get rid of this notion of a God that they'd be accountable to. And this is the impossible situation that this mother found herself in, and that's why this makes sense when we realize that's what Pharaoh wanted to do. No Boy, children in the household. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. So when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. 
But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. When she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son, so she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that the old, old stories still have a place in our lives today. We thank you, Father, for a mother, a mother who cared, a mother who had courage, a mother who acted. Now we ask as we look at this passage of Scripture and honor our mothers today that you would show us the lessons for all of us here and direct our attention to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Of course, you read this passage of scripture. If you remember several weeks ago, which is the last time I've stood before you, we were in the book of Daniel. Then, of course, we had the resurrection of Jesus, and we, we left Daniel, and we came to that passage of scripture. And, of course, instead of getting back to Daniel, I can't ignore Mother's Day, and so we're looking at this passage of scripture. But it is Mother's Day. And so what we always do is recognize several mothers. Now, I think way back we may, have, we may have recognized the youngest mother and the oldest mother. And I remember a story about them doing that at a church one day. And they recognized the oldest mother and a particular lady stood up and everybody gave her applause. And one of the other ladies said, she gets it every year. <laughs> but what I always like to do, and we're not going to go there, is this, because then you have to start talking about years and age and that sort of thing. Some people get sensitive about that. Any first-time mothers here? Any first-time mothers in our, in our congregation here? Okay, now I know a lot of times we may not have first-time mothers, but you may be a first-time grandmother. Any first-time grandmothers here? No first-time grandmothers here? Now I want to ask all the mothers to stand up because you're all special. All the mothers stand up if you can. Guys, I think I can agree with Rick. This is the glue that holds our world together, and they deserve some applause here. Thank you very much. <clears throat> I'm looking around, and some of you uh, mamas have your kids here with you today from out of town. I'm glad that you came to Brister and made this a part of your day. And I'm aware of the fact you probably got lunch plans today and things going on. For a few minutes, we want to look at this passage of Scripture. First thing we look at is this, uncommon circumstances, but a very current anxiety. Now, this discussion has come up quite often. And the discussion is this, man, 
How can people bring babies into such a crazy world we live in? You ever thought that? You ever thought that? Now, I talked to the ladies' Sunday school class, and I said, did you think that when you had kids? And some of the folks, when we're having kids, we don't think about that because we're part of that crazy world. But let me tell you, when you get to be a grandparent and you think about children coming into this world, you say, man, this is a crazy world. It just kind of makes me nervous about kids coming into a world with all the chaos. I'm convinced that every generation has had those anxieties. And can you imagine, can you imagine the people in Moses' day when he was born? If there ever was a crazy generation, if there was a dangerous time to be bringing kids in the world, don't you agree that would be it? We always think it's a dangerous time, it's a perilous time, it's, a, it's an anxious time for little babies to come in. What's, what kind of world is we given, have we given them? But this, of course, was the ultimate of all dangerous times. Here's some lessons when we wonder about kids coming up in the dangerous times and the crazy times we live in. First and foremost, God knows how crazy it is. You think God doesn't realize this? And secondly, godly homes, bringing up children in the ways of the Lord, are a crucial part of God's plan to reach the crazy generation with the message of his love. And God loves kids coming up in this crazy generation more than all of us put together. And remember this, God can take care of them. I know it's crazy generation. I know it's, it's unthinkable times. And I know our country has just gone off the rails. Stupid. God knows this. And God can take care of our kids. And God needs our homes bringing up kids who know the Lord. Because I think we realize there's nobody else in our country that's going to train our kids in the ways of the Lord. It's us. It's our homes. It's our church. But where would we be if we didn't have kids coming up learning about Jesus? And the next generation coming up, learning about Jesus. Uncommon circumstances, I think we can agree with that. But it's a very common anxiety, a very current anxiety. And the lesson here is God can handle it. And God can take care of your kids. And God loves your kids, and he knows exactly what they'll face more than we do. Secondly, uncommon circumstances call for uncommon Solutions. Can you imagine in any other circumstance a mom getting up one morning and talking to her neighbors and all saying, here's how I think uh, my plan of child care is going to be. I'm going to make a basket, waterproof it, and put my baby in the river. They'd say, where'd you come up with that idea? That's absolute craziness. Why would you ever think about that? Now, in any other time, that would be unthinkable. In any other time, that would be just, where'd you come up with a solution? But sometimes, when circumstances are uncommon, when circumstances are desperate, an uncommon solution is called for. And her plan was this, to hide Moses away from home. You see, what was happening is this. 
They couldn't hide children once they got to a certain age. Because, man, once they start walking, you, you're not hiding it from nobody. They're going everywhere. And she knew it had got to the point where Moses was, was uh, crying more. And he was. And what they would do is Pharaoh was, was doing village sweeps. He would go through these little villages all throughout the land. And the Hebrews had their own little villages and their own little section of town. They would go through and they would look for any baby boys in the home. Well, it got to the point where she couldn't hide Moses, so she came up with a plan to put him in the reeds by the river. Now, we look at this as if she put him by the reeds, in the reeds by the river and left him there and all that happened in one day. But scholars agree with this concerning the way the, uh, the language and the grammar is in the old language, the Hebrew, is she did this, and this has been going on for some time. And the plan was this. Didn't know how else this is going to work out, but she was going to put him by the, in the river, in those reeds, and she, he couldn't float away. He'd be protected. He'd be hidden. If he cried, it'd be muffled and leave Big Sister to look after him. Now, Big Sister was not old enough to be working or anything, so she would not attract attention by the riverside. So, of course... That was the plan. Mamas have a way of coming up with a plan, don't they? Whatever circumstance. Things go haywire on vacation, mom comes up with a plan. Things go haywire at the house, mom comes up with a plan. I can't remember how many times my mama came up with a plan. And if you want to know difficult circumstances, have twin boys around the house, Wyatt. You're going to find out. Mama's going to need to be coming up with some plans. And, you know, guys, I think we can uh, agree. Mama's come up with plans we never thought of. Because I don't know if you know this by now. Men and women don't think alike. Ever. That's a good thing. Because Mama came up with a plan. And her plan involved the whole family. Because Big Sister was going to watch. And Big Sister was going to take care. And he, Big Sister, she would alert Mama when Moses needed tended to, and she would come down by the river. Daddy was involved with the plan. You say, no, wait a minute. He's not mentioning this passage of Scripture. No, he's not. But there's another passage of Scripture that clues us in on the fact that Daddy was with the plan as well. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 23. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they were not afraid of the king's command. He was hidden for three months by who? His parents because they were not afraid. And you might say, well, wait a minute. Why isn't daddy mentioned in Exodus chapter 2, where was daddy? Well, look in Exodus chapter 1. He was working hard. All the men were slaves. 
they were working hard building all these cities for Pharaoh. And the more prosperous they became, the harder he made them work. It says they were serving in bitter bondage. Daddy was working hard, but daddy was part of the plan and involved the whole family. And uncommon solutions sometimes call for uncommon carriage, courage. Said they were not afraid of the king's command. They had uncommon courage. The king was powerful. Everybody was afraid of the king because to the Egyptians, he wasn't just king, he was their God. So they were all afraid of him, not Moses' parents. How could they have this kind of courage? Well, it says this, by faith, they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, they had uncommon courage. Faith in what? Faith in currency? Money? Oh, no, they had none of that. Faith in circumstances? Absolutely not. Things are about as bad as it could ever be. Faith in country? Are you kidding? Faith in country? Let me just say this. In case we have missed the memo, both political parties have had over 200 years to get our country straight. They've been in power, sometimes total power back and forth. The future of our country and the answer for our circumstances is not found in any political party, period, regardless on what side of the aisle you're on. We cannot place our faith in country. We have to place our faith in God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You might say, no, wait a minute. This wasn't written yet, because as we know, Moses wrote the book of Exodus and the book of Genesis. No, it was not written yet, but it was passed down orally from generation to generation to generation because Hebrew parents made sure to pass on the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the story of Joseph, of how they came to be here. Scholars agree that as you look at the Hebrew culture, the oral passing down of the law is just as important as the written word, and parents told their children who told their children who told their children. So by the time we had uncommon solution, we had uncommon courage because Moses' parents heard of God and how what God can do. Specifically this, Hebrew parents knew who they were and they knew whose they were. And we don't need to forget that. We need to remember who we are and teach it to our kids. We need to remember who we belong to and teach it to our kids. And somebody told Moses' parents about God. And by faith, specifically, the Bible says they trusted God. How could they trust him if they didn't hear about him? Somebody told them. Our lesson for today in the uncommon circumstances of yesterday. I mean, this is a circumstance that I hope we never have to face in our country. But we face uncommon circumstances. And here's the lesson that we see in this passage of Scripture that we don't need to forget. God can take an impossible human situation and can accomplish unimaginable Results. 
Now, this is early on in the Bible. And if a reader were to take the Bible and start learning about God, he would already know that God can take an impossible human situation and bring about unimaginable results when you think about Joseph being sold into slavery. The worst thing we can think of that would happen, that's what ended up in the long run saving the whole family of the Hebrew children. God took an impossible human situation, did something unimaginable with us. Can you imagine early in the morning, Moses' mom sending Moses' sister out by the river to hide him. She may have brought him in at night, but during the day when Pharaoh would come, she would hide him. It was a hard life. It was a scary time. Can you imagine if one of the neighbors knocked on the door and said, I've got a prediction for you. Before this day is over, Moses will be completely safe from any danger, completely safe from any danger of Pharaoh. Are you kidding me? How could that ever happen? We're talking about a whole country turned against our people and all these soldiers coming around doing house checks and checking for baby boys. Are you kidding me? There's no way this could happen. said, oh, but it gets better. You're about to work from home and make some money. Oh, are you kidding me? You're about to make another paycheck on top of Moses? There's no way this could be worked out. I cannot imagine any way my son will be safe today. I can't imagine any way that I'd start getting paid on top of it. God did it, didn't he? Moses was safe. And she got paid for taking care of him until he came of age and he became Pharaoh's daughter. That was all part of God's plan. You may have an impossible human situation and you don't see any solution. But the Bible says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. God can take your impossible situation and bring about unimaginable results. How that happened with Moses' parents? By Faith. They trusted in the God of the universe. And they placed their faith in him and did all they knew that they could do to hide Moses and left the rest up to God. Now, I quoted that passage of scripture, but I don't want to leave you without the first part of that passage. What I quoted was this, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. But now let me read the prayer of Paul before he made this statement. It's in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. He said this, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. We all need that. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the width and length and depth 
and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We need that. People are empty. Their lives are empty. They're facing impossible circumstances. And Paul said, I'm praying that you can know God and he will fill up that empty spot. And then he says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. That's the God that Paul was praying to fill the lives of the Ephesian Christians. And that is the prayer that is written in his word for all of us to know. Now you might say, well, I don't have an impossible situation now. Things are rocking along pretty good for me. Oh no. Every human alive has an impossible human situation. We're lost without Christ. Our sin has disqualified us from heaven. Every single human on the planet. It's an impossible situation. There is no human answer. But God can bring about unimaginable results. By faith in this God, not only are we saved and forgiven of our sins, not only are we given eternal life, it says this, we are adopted into God's family. We become children of God. When we were enemies of God through sin, now we're children of God. That's unimaginable. God does that. We all have an impossible human circumstance. But God can do something beyond any human imagination. He makes a way where there is no way. And he's made a way for us to know comfort, strength, hope, love, and security for eternity. Let's be sure and share that with others. You need to be saved today. You need to come and know the God that can turn things around. If you're facing an unimaginable circumstance, I don't know what it might be, talk to God about it. God can turn things around and do things we can never, ever imagine. It'll be something that you didn't ask for because we can't imagine. Just leave it up to him. Let him come up with a solution. But of all things, let's leave here glorifying the God and thanking him for what he's given us through his word. And as we stand and sing, what number? Number 150.